3: Welcome to the World War II Radio Podcast. Today we have The World Today, a CBS broadcast from this week in 1942, features updates on the war with live reports from London, Cairo, Washington, and New York. The World War II radio podcast is a brick pickle media production. If you like the show, please leave feedback on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Be sure to visit our website at brickpicklemedia.com slash podcasts, where you can find links to past episodes as well as the books featured in our podcasts. Thanks for listening. Enjoy today's episode of the World War II radio podcast.
4: CBS World News brings you The World Today, presented Monday through Saturday at the same time. During the next 15 minutes, you will hear news and analysis by Quincy Howell and CBS correspondents at home and abroad. And here are the major highlights in the news of the day. The latest model German fighter planes failed to bring down a single flying fortress in an air engagement over the English Channel as the demand for a second front increased. German advances towards Stalingrad continue and Russian planes have bombed Poland and East Prussia. And now, Quincy Howe and the news.
3: 11 unescorted United States Army flying fortresses tangled with 20 or 25 of the latest German fighter planes, Fokker Wolf 190s, ...over the English Channel today. Six of, the American, six of the German planes were destroyed or damaged. One American plane was damaged. The co-pilot killed and the pilot injured... ...when a German shell exploded in its cockpit. This is the fourth time during the past five days... ...that flying fortresses have set forth to bomb Europe. Not one plane has yet been lost. This does not mean that the flying fortresses... ...have got the Luftwaffe's number. It means that they have surprised the British... ...many Americans and perhaps the enemy in their ability both to dish it out and to take it. This latest air battle, added to the experiences of Dieppe, brings the possibility of a second front measurably closer. Allied military experts in London now believe that the German defenses at Dieppe proved surprisingly weak. Parachute troops and dive bombers might have led to a major German defeat. Foreign military experts at Bern take the same view, and a Swiss socialist daily paper estimates that the Germans have thirty divisions in France... Belgium, and Holland, composed of men under 20, men over 40, and veterans of the Russian campaign. The Russian radio told the German people to expect a second front soon, very soon. And in London, the liberal new statesman and nation predicts that unless the Allies invade Europe this year, it will prove one of the most disastrous blunders in world history. The Russians could certainly do with a diversion. German troops have now reached the further bend of the Don River, only 40 miles from Stalingrad. And further south, the Russians are also having to withdraw toward the Black Sea and toward the Grozny oil fields and the Caspian. Russian planes did, however, bomb Nazi-held Warsaw and Posen last night, as well as East Prussia and Upper Silesia. Chinese troops recaptured the city of Kuang Feng in Kiangxi province on the nanchang hangchow Railway and are continuing to pursue Japanese troops along that line. Our Navy Department put the Tokyo Radio in its place today. After the Japanese had broadcast the description of an alleged hit and run raid by American forces on Mekin in the Gilbert Island Group, the United States Navy pointed out that any comment that may be made on the Japanese reports of operations at Mekin Island will be made by the commander in chief of the Pacific Fleet. And that's that. Meanwhile, dispatches from Melbourne say that American successes in the Solomon Islands have halted local criticism of america's supposedly meager contribution to the defense of australia From rio de janeiro comes the news that 169 officers and men of the brazilian army perished in the recent axis torpedoings of brazilian ships in western hemisphere waters 85 soldiers are known to be saved but total casualties including civilians run to more than 600 united states and brazilian liars are still seeking the marauding submarines along 5,000 miles of coastline. And now to CBS Washington, Eric Severide reporting. No
1: news from here tonight about the fighting fronts. Nothing new on the Solomons, and the Navy has nothing to say about the Japanese claim that we attacked the Gilbert Islands and were repulsed. But the President had a good deal to say about the Germans and their famous technique of assassinating the innocent when the Gestapo can't find those guilty of sabotage. He said, it seems only fair that they should have this warning, that the time will come when they will have to stand in courts of law in the very countries which they are now oppressing and answer for their acts. No one with any sense of reality doubts that when victory is won, the temptation for reprisals against the Germans will be great. The president is on record opposing simple revenge. He said the United Nations will deal with these murders in an orderly and just manner, as we dealt with the eight German saboteurs over here. Mr. Wendell Wilkie is about to leave for Russia and the countries of the Middle East. The President said today that Wilkie will travel as his special representative. He will tell other governments, particularly the neutrals, that America is going all the way into this war and that the strikes and the letdown in production here are small matters and temporary matters. Abroad, Mr. Wilkie is looked upon as a leader of the loyal opposition. In those capitals... He will be the personal symbol of American unity. That's the idea behind it. You might call him America's traveling press agent. You might call him the American counterpart to Sir Stafford Cripps. But the worldwide job of telling America's story will not be Mr. Wilkie's alone by any means. We are sending others, able men, if not front page personalities, to England, China, India, and the strategic areas and other strategic areas where they are opening offices now to provide a steady flow of American news. The President issued another statement today to the head of every agency in the federal government. He insists there be a stop to the practice of one government official squabbling with another through the medium of the nation's press and radio. He found it necessary to remind these officials that he is the responsible head of this government and therefore is the logical person to make public announcements of the government's policies. Prices for those foods not controlled by Leon Henderson rose 2.5% between June 15th and July 15th. Mr. Henderson said that a year from now, if this rate keeps up, consumers will be paying 30% more for much of their food. This is another blow in the campaign to make the farm block climb down from their elevated perch, known as 110% of parity. Mr. James Patton, head of the National Farmers Union, is with the administration on this but he would like to see other groups sacrifice a little, too. He referred to the president's proposal of last spring to limit wartime incomes to $25,000 a year net. Around that idea, he said, a deep velvet silence has been draped. Five to 7,000 tank cars will be withdrawn from 20 Middle West states. If that causes a gasoline shortage, those states will be rationed as we are in the East. Next, we hear from CBS London, Bob Trout reporting.
0: In London today, most people absorbed the later details of the raid on the French coast and now have a clear picture of what happened across the Channel Wednesday, although by no means a complete picture. There was never any need for the British people to get the picture back into perspective, for it never got out of perspective. From the start, there was no ridiculous talk here about an invasion, and I think that most people also understood from the beginning that the major proportion of the troops engaged in the raid were Canadians, that British commandos went along to perform special services, and that there were also, among the landing parties, representatives of other allied nations, such as the Fighting French and a very small number of American Rangers. Naturally, people over here will be discussing the lessons learned from the operation for days to come. The fact which causes the most satisfaction is the fact that this operation was really a combined operation. There's high praise for the air umbrella, but Britain is aware of the tremendous tasks the Royal Air Force was given on Wednesday, and aware of the strong resistance put up by the German Air Force, which threw in reserves, held back for just such an occasion. For instance, the London Evening Standards air correspondent, Major Oliver Stewart, says... The Royal Air Force losses will dispel any illusions there might have been about the cost of a real invasion. He estimates that a superiority of 10 to 1 will be necessary in an Air Force based more than 100 miles from the scene of operations. And he believes that for successful landings in these parts, what is needed is the collaboration of airborne forces. A part of the air war picture, although not a part of the Dieppe Raid, is today's news of the victory of the 11 American flying fortresses over the 20 to 25 German fighters above the North Sea. The apparent fact that six of Germany's finest fighter planes were destroyed or damaged while all the fortresses returned safely is being well publicized here. And this battle will undoubtedly become the basis of another argument in the long discussion about the virtues and defects of American planes. Especially as, you notice, the communique does not tell us whether the fortresses were escorted by fighter planes. There's plenty to be said on both sides of this discussion, and it's a good idea to remember that no plane is best for every operation. And out to CBS Cairo and the report of Chester Morrison
2: on the Chicago South. It's embarrassing to be asked to tell you news from the Middle East because we're still in a phase that is both difficult and imprudent to talk about. Among newspaper correspondents here, there is only one story, and that is a story about a story. The correspondents are disappointed at not having been able to tell you from Cairo about the visit of Winston Churchill. But so long as you get the news, I doubt that you're as interested as the correspondents are in the deadline under which this story appears. We were disappointed, too, at not being able to tell you from here about the change in the Middle East command. We are the people who know General Alexander, the new Commander-in-Chief, and we have felt that it was unfortunate that announcement of his new responsibilities has been linked with two of his outstanding accomplishments. It's true that he did command the BES in the last days at Dunkirk, and it's true that he did bring the British Army out of Burma, but he's also known as the fighting as General of His Majesty's forces. And in his new command we may have an opportunity to demonstrate it. News from the desert is as scarce as is news from Cairo. But just as there is news here, there also is news there. Nothing sensational. Patrol operations and the like. But to judge from what the communiques have said in the past two or three weeks, you would never believe, will you, that people are still getting hurt up there. You would scarcely believe, would you? And with all the quiet reported by the communiques, a correspondent was invalid at home yesterday with something very like shell-shock. Now and then a nugget does turn up, like the one about the bartender from Bristol, who wears a hero's medal now because he kept firing a gun whence all but he had fled. But war does make some men noble. It ruins the characters of some. Among some, it seems to have no effect at all. Sometimes the goal of danger. seems to be that it may rob us of our reasoning power so that we believe things we would not normally believe, and we think in ways that we would not normally think. When the news happens, you'll find out about it. But don't get too headline hungry.
3: This is Chester Morrison returning you to CBS New York and Quincy Howe. The second front talk has suddenly come to the fore again in today's news. The wonder is, perhaps, that it did not come up sooner in view of the Dieppe raid. Of course, second front talk had to be soft pedal before the raid began. But it does seem logical to conclude that the second front will be a consequence of the raid, when is, of course, another matter. There are signs, though, into today's news that the second front might come this year. First, you'll notice that the British sources and British censors passed... This story about the new statesmen and other sources in England being favorable to a second front in the near future. Then there was the Russian warning of a second front soon, very soon. This means propaganda pressure on the Germans in unoccupied Europe. This is not political pl- pressure upon the British. The chief out-about second front talk in the past has been that it suggested that, w- that there was disunity with the Russians. But there have been many conversations between our leaders and the Russian leaders And then the recent Anglo-Russian treaty should dispel any suspicion of disunity among the top leaders of Russia and the United Nations. Then the Russian reverses near Stalingrad make the second front even more urgent than before. Uh, The flying fortress success against these uh, German fighters and the continued American, American bombings of Germany indicate that our air power has begun to count. And as Bob Trout said from London, air power is going to be a very important factor in the second front. Fighter planes are less good, but our bombing technique apparently is a little bit better than the British, or even we ourselves, had dared to hope. Then, of course, the increased activity in the Pacific shows the offensive spirit taking tangible form here in the United States. If our military men are willing to attack there under great difficulties, they'd have all the more reason to favor an attack from Europe. Then here are a few brief late items. The War Production Board has ordered a 10% reduction in the amount of coffee available to American consumers after September 1st. And the Turkish capital has received intelligence reports that two or three German divisions of infantry and mechanized forces are moving toward Greece, probably to replace some 50,000 Axis troops recently shipped to North Africa.
4: Did you ever stop to think what the world today would be like if we sat back and let George do the fighting while we went on about our pre-war activities as if there wasn't a war going on? In this country, there are plenty of Georges willing to do the fighting. There are plenty of Americans willing to shoulder arms so that you can stay home and take care of mom, the kids, and the homes and the privileges that we call America. But there isn't a George out there in the front lines who's fighting for the kind of people who don't buy their quota of war bonds. George isn't asking you to fight with a gun. He isn't asking you to go through what he'll have to go through every step of the way to Berlin and Tokyo. He's asking you to invest your money in the land in which you made it. If you want the news of the world to be good, buy war bonds. CBS World News presents this program each evening Monday through Saturday at the same time, 6.45 p.m. Eastern Wartime. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System.